Welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry, and it was my birthday on Sunday. Today I'm chatting with independent stop-motion felt animator Andrea Love, who is best known on social media for her extremely cute, extremely tiny, extremely handcrafted felt animations where she does stuff like make peanut butter sandwiches, light candles, and even paints watercolor sceneries all in felt. In our chat, she's gonna share how she got into felting in the first place, what it takes to make these felt creations, what it takes to run her animation business, what it takes to leverage social media, and where her career is heading. But first, this episode is sponsored by Hue, makers of colorful plug-and-play cameras for learning, work, and play. Originally designed for teachers, Hue cameras can also be used for creative activities such as capturing hand-drawn pencil tests and shooting behind-the-scenes footage, time-lapse videos, and stop-motion animation. Their cameras have flexible, posable necks, manual focus controls, and they're compatible with Dragon Frame, OBS, Twitch, Zoom, and many other camera apps. Visit HueHD.com to learn more and follow at Hue Cameras on social media for news, fun, and giveaways. And of course, as always, get 10% off any Hue product from HueHD.com with code 10TerryAIP. And I've included all these details in the description of the chat, so please go check them out. And now, without further ado, let's jump in. Hello, Andrea. How are you doing? Thanks for coming on Hi. the chat. Thanks, Terry. Uh, I'm doing great. Great. I'm excited to chat with you because I've been following you for quite some time and seen you blown up on social media. And I'm also interested in how many times you've pricked your fingers uh, needle felting because I stabbed my thumb really bad once. Yeah. <laughs> and it yeah. went deep and it's a it needle. It hurts. It does. Yeah. It's probably almost a daily occurrence for me. Um, yeah. Do you have any tips on like... Uh... <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's just part of part of the process um but yeah my fingers have got have toughened up a little bit you need to, um, you it's need the to worst buy when you get it stuck in there and then it just kind of like stays in there and you have yeah and it just sort of get you got those little barbs in there too so that can be a little tricky you gotta take out insurance on those fingers <laughs> yeah it's true i've i to not, not gonna lie i've thought about that before like if i lose a hand or something like my career is over basically <laughs> It is. Yeah. I used to garden a lot and now I am very hesitant to get too much dirt under my fingernails because it's kind of hard to um, clean up all of that and make it look pretty for the camera. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Yeah, because your hands are often on camera, too, and you want to have nice hands. OK, exactly. so let's let's roll it back a bit. Um, yeah. You weren't always into needle felting, but uh, you went to school for arts and visual yeah, I went to school for, I was really interested. I loved movies. I wanted to work in film somehow. I was doing sort of a film studies course, which was not very hands-on, but more like reading and writing and stuff like that. And then I would just kind of do these little experiments in my dorm room. The school that I went to didn't have any kind of a stop motion curriculum. So I was kind of left to my own devices, but it was a very sort of self-motivated school where you could choose, you know, your very niche area of study and just, you know, focus on that. But you already knew you wanted to do stop motion before school or you're interested in it. I got interested in stop motion sort of end of high school. And so I was sort of, I was how? interested, but I didn't know how. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was a, I was a video store clerk 
in my hometown of Durham, North Carolina, and I watched tons of movies. Not like Blockbuster or something? Yeah, well, it was a mom and pop operation. It was called ah, Avid okay. Video, and it was like my dream job when I was a kid. I was like, when I'm a teenager, I want to work at Avid Video. And so, wow. yeah, I spent my teenage years renting out movies and knitting behind the counter. So that was my first sort of foray into fiber arts as I learned how to knit. And so I'd be knitting sweaters and stuff while I was watching Elvis movies. Wow. So you've seen every movie possible. At the... <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you're knitting this, you know, this already sounds like the perfect formula to create what you are today. You're already knitting. Mm -hmm. You're mm -hmm. watching movies nonstop. You go mm -hmm. to school, you're doing little experimental things in your dorm room. Um, you know, did you, when you graduated, how did you enter the industry? Like, how did you start making money what did you go right away into yeah. like I didn't go right away I didn't really have the confidence to pursue animation full-time I didn't I really didn't want to move to a big city so I didn't really see any opportunities for me um this was pre-social media and everything so um I just kind of assumed it was a hobby and went about my life um as a organic farmer um I took an internship here on the east, uh, on the west coast so that's how i moved out to the west coast and i worked on farms for a couple of years and then uh on the off seasons you know i i'd i made some connections in town and they were like we've seen these cute little videos you've done you know we'd love for you to make something like this for us and so that kind of started my like uh freelance business but it was wait, very wait, wait. so you're just cool, walking you know? around town and people are like small businesses are like hey andrea <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you're, you're off yeah, from how the did farm that right now Do you wanna... uh, well i was renting a yurt as one does in port of, townsend of course everybody's <laughs> renting the yurt my landlord life. my landlord worked at the land trust and the land trust was my first client so that wow. was the connection so and really... we didn't even talk about they were like oh could you make us a video and I like worked on it for months we didn't even talk about what I was what the price was going to be I mean it was very casual I was like someone wants me to make a video okay fine maybe and, I'll uh, get a free year yeah. month out of this yeah. um and I'm not going to tell you how much I made on that project but I'll just say that it was um embarrassingly little <laughs> Don't worry. I I, yeah. I remember my first creative projects. I was doing things for like fifty dollars and was yeah. spending weeks. It was, I was just exactly. happy to, yeah. This was months. Happy to and get months anything. And, yeah. So, but you know, one job would lead to another little job yeah. offer, and I was kind of on the local business circuit for a couple of years. Um, this is live action video stuff. Like no, this is stop motion. All this is stop like motion. Little wow. puppets. Yeah. So my my um my style was doing animated documentaries yeah so i would about harpsichords you know, would be like we want to tell this story so i get my audio recorder get some tracks edit it together and then make puppets and have the puppets speaking the lines and then do a little bit of b-roll animation as well so i'd say it was a pretty simple way of doing it at the beginning and i i was also animating at like eight frames a second you know i it was not i was not striving for technical excellence I it was more you know um homegrown sort of stuff I think this is incredible that there was actually demand for videos like this 
uh, where you were. Um, like that seems, yeah. that seems pretty I mean, rare. It's a small town and it's a pretty funky artsy community. And yeah. I think people just looking for something a little bit different than the kind of live action stuff that people make. So that's, yeah. that's quite incredible. It sounds really organic, I guess, how it, how it happened. Yeah. Like you didn't like apply organic. to studios and like put together a reel and like do all the animation. Like, do you think it's, if you were to recreate this, knowing you wanted to get into this career now, do you think it would be possible or it's just kind of like it fell into, you fell into the right place, right time? I mean, I, I think the thing here was that I wasn't making like a livable income off of these videos. I think one would need to maybe charge a little bit more or, you know, just be more financially literate. I mean, I was my early twenties. I was yeah, living in a barn, yeah. you know, like that sort of thing. Living in a barn. Um, and I think um, if I could, if I was going to do it all again, I probably would have gone to art school and actually gotten an education in this area rather than yeah. teaching myself everything over the course of a decade. But I mean, your style and where you've ended up now it very much is a result of teaching yourself it is. everything. This is true. Yes. I because... think so. What kind of happened was I, was doing all these projects for local businesses. And I, then I kind of realized like there's, if I'm trying to get to the next level where I'm, you know, beyond these local, local businesses, yeah. I need to find a way to stand out or differentiate my work because these larger brands aren't just going to go to a random 20 something year old girl making, you know, animation in her bedroom to do some big commercials. So I kind of realized that I had to find my like artistic angle that mm. was different. And that's why when I started focusing on the felt, it just was, it just made a lot more sense to me to go at it from that angle and just really specialize in that. Okay. So that was like, cause I, you know, I've seen your older stuff and there is a lot of felt already in it. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So I was using felt to make to needle felt the shapes of the puppet bodies, but then I would cover it up with pantyhose. And then at one point, I was just like, I'm going to take the pantyhose off and <laughs> just see what I can do with the felt. And then because I also, you know, it's such a fun, malleable material, yeah. I was starting to use it in my props and stuff. And um, then I just went all the way so you didn't you didn't actually you didn't like know that felt was going to become like this huge social media thing that people just like crave and see and think is so fascinating <laughs> it was more of like how you were already building puppets and you were just kind of deconstruct you were taking the pantyhose off. yeah i just had to take the pantyhose off to fully realize the potential um but no i <laughs> so okay so what when i was the first thing that happened was I was finding a niche with woodworking. Actually, I did a lot of woodworking projects early on. It was like the woodworking school. I did a animation for a kind of famous woodworker here in town as well. So I was getting attention on social media for that at the very beginning. But deep down, I knew that it was not my passion yeah. and that if people started knowing me for that specific thing, I just didn't know how long I could continue on with it. But then as soon as 
the fiber came on to the scene, that's when I was like, like, this is, I could do this forever. Like I could, not only do I like it from an animation standpoint, but I like doing it as a craft. And so even if I'm not animating it, I could still be making like little fun things. I, and I actually did that for a while too. I went to craft shows with my needle felted pot holders and little wall hangings. And so there's like a whole world of needle felting that's a, you know, fully realized craft aside from animation. So I think it's just interesting to bring those two together. So there are people out there that have Andrea Love originals uh, hanging on their walls and they didn't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, interesting. It sounds like you were very future thinking when you were, you know, you reached a point where you were going with the flow and then you said to yourself, like, I want to, I want to like get to the next level and really differentiate myself and up my game. Mm-hmm. Were you, you know, did, were you still working full time at this point on at the farm and stuff and doing this? Yeah, it was was a gradual transition. I think I did uh, like three full-time years on the farm and then maybe two part-time years. And then I kind of realized that I wanted to, yeah, pursue animation instead of farming. And um, then I just sort of jumped into it full-time. Do you remember the the first post that got you kind of that professional attention you were looking for? Um, uh, actually, yeah, I, uh, let's see the first post that really took off on social media was my first cooking with wool post. So I had already like started experimenting and doing personal projects, but I'd say those first couple cooking videos is when I got the call from Le Creuset because they were like, that pot looks a lot like our pots. Like, could you do something for us? And you know, I, I quoted them and it didn't work out because I think they realized, oh, we can just repost what she's already done because it like actually already looks just like Lake Crusade. So that was a they bit of like, okay, you for actually repost. don't like use other people's <laughs> products in your animation just yet. So, um, but yeah, that was sort of like the beginning of getting more brand um, notice from brands. However, I would say that um, even less than the cooking videos, it's more about just once I stopped doing 100% client jobs and I started mixing in personal work. Mm. And that actually um, maybe wouldn't seem like it would move the needle, but that's what gets people um, engaging more with your work on social media, which fuels the growth. Totally. which then leads to more work. So I'd say if there's any space for people to um, experiment more, more with their personal work, then that actually will feed into their professional. I mean, I mean, that makes sense because when something is branded or is an ad, I feel less apt to engage or share it when I, versus like, I see just something really cool that I like and like cooking yeah. and needle that, you know, you hit a lot of things. So we're, even in your personal work, are you being strategic? And like, you know, there's there's kind of this pressure to like always one up yourself to keep growing forever, right? Are you being strategic when you are like thinking of a creative personal idea or just like, today I'm going to animate uh, sharpening a pencil or like today I'm going to animate like- <laughs> Well, your- yeah, I mean, today, you know, sharpening a pencil that definitely was a strategic move and just sort of like after years of doing this, I have a f- feeling about what people re- will respond to. Yeah. 
And so I'm definitely thinking like, what will people respond to? What do I want to animate? What is going to look really cool? What's going to be sort of um, understandable across languages? Um, And what's not going to take forever? So I think that's the other part of social media um, animating is just like finding projects that instead of working on something for two months, you're working on something for two days two weeks you know I feel like there's uh it's just really nice to have an output where you don't have to like sell your soul for months and months to do it yeah for sure interesting this reminds me of a chat I had with Kevin Perry where his intention with his personal social media work was to create things that brands could see themselves uh putting their product in so like yeah I don't know for example like animating yeah I mean I definitely remember hearing him say that I don't know if it was your podcast or a different one. I was like, oh yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I do feel like when you look at the aesthetic of my page, it's gotten a little bit more, I don't want to, I mean, just a little more slick, a little bit, you know, bright colors and eye poppy things. And um, yeah, you have to figure out what's going to actually look good in the vertical screen. Yeah. You can't be too busy. It's like completely different from planning a short film like Tulip, you know, where it's like just beautiful landscapes and puppets. Like when I put puppet stuff on social media, it doesn't usually do as well as stuff that uses my hands. So, yeah, I'm just going to like been trying a lot of different things over the years. And um But there's always the element of surprise too. So you just, you know, when people are expecting one thing, you got to give them something else that they had no idea that they, that was even an option. And then that can also help fuel the growth. I mean, that sounds like a lot of, a lot of thinking. One thought I had was, do you feel disappointed that stuff like Tulip doesn't get as much traction as, uh, you know, blowing like the kitchens, kitchen stuff, yeah, because, like the sure. amount of effort you put into creating a short film with story and characters and like the whole landscapes you did and everything with water, et cetera. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's like a hundred. It's definitely disappointing um, to see that that kind of stuff doesn't work as well on social media, uh, especially, yeah. After, you know, working for over a year on that project and I, th- I think it's just a completely different venue and different audience um, mm. to be going to film festivals. And unfortunately, Tulip was released during COVID and all the film festivals were remote. So I didn't even get to network with other people um, during that process. We, we never went to a film festival in person with that film. So it was just really, you know, it was just super disappointing to have something that you're so proud of and then so beautiful and just to not yeah to get more traction from like a silly you know bubble blowing video that you do in a week um although that one i'm actually i'm really proud of so i mean it's uh, it's just a different yeah i mean it's it's one of those ones where it's surprising and stands out because you know you made bubbles out of felt which is yeah i thought was crazy (laughs) yeah yeah that was that was a fun one um i'm I'm glad that I have been able to pivot my focus to doing this sort of micro short stuff on social media because it, um, it frees up my time a little bit more. Like I, uh, don't, I mean, I do work 
full-time, but I can create more work and get it out faster. And um, I think there's a balance, right? Like now that it's been a while since I've done a short film, I'm like, oh, wouldn't that be fun to like sink my teeth into a bigger project? And um, I'm, you know, considering whether it could be time to do that again. But uh, I'm just glad that I have another way to create that is a little less time consuming. So you are working full time on felting? On yeah, mostly on branded content. Wow. And that's yeah, that's where the money comes from for, for at least like the type of work that I've been doing recently. It's um yeah, I'm very used to like getting approached by the social media department of X and X brand and then, you know, they want a TikTok post that's 15 seconds long and can you do it in the next couple of months? And like that kind of thing is um, has been really fruitful for me in the last couple of years. Nice. Does that mean you have an agent or representation or? Yeah, I do have representation. I'm represented by Hornet Animation in the States and Canada. And then in the UK and Europe, I'm represented by Curate Films. So when an inquiry comes in, depending on where it's coming from, um, they'll sort of vet the clients and just kind of have the initial discussion. And then if it's something I want to move forward with, we'll get on a Zoom call. And yeah. then, you know, then we chat you know, budgets and scope and creative. And then, yeah, if it's like a 15 second Instagram or TikTok post, I'll usually have like about a month um, to get it done from pre-production to post-production. So there's like the storyboarding and client approvals and fabrication, animation, sound design. You know, sometimes we work with a colorist. So it kind of like, there's just a lot that goes into a 15 second animation. And sometimes I can do it all myself in in more of a casual way, but other times we'll bring in more people. So you usually work with a team for all your 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 stuff then i guess i like yeah definitely have a so um depending on the job sometimes i do it alone but i also have a part-time assistant who helps with the storyboarding and helps with the fabrication and then i would usually you, right. oh helps with the fabrication interesting i was gonna say would you ever pass off any the animation or fabrication to somebody else because you know it's as a creator it's so personal to what you do yeah, I would say that the fabricate, like the the felting is definitely my favorite part. And so it's hard for me to give up too much of that. Yeah. Uh, and then I would love to give, uh, to pass along some of the animation, uh, you know, maybe on a bigger project, it would make sense to work with a, an animator. Um, but then again, I have like a lot of techniques, a lot of little felty tri- yeah. tricks when I animate that would be hard to teach. So um, there's a, a factor of me wanting to pass it along, but maybe it's not as easy as just. Yeah, I, I, I would assume so. Job. At what point did you become represented um, in your career? How far along were you? I think I was um, I was getting the viral traction from my cooking videos at that point. So that was 2019. And I have to say that definitely coincided with me being able to book more legitimate, bigger jobs. Um, And I think 
it you know just having representation gives a little bit of you know legitimacy maybe to these clients who want to make sure that they're in good hands yeah but then again i you know i am in a very specific like social media marketing world i'm not booking like the big 60 second tv commercials right like that's a, like kind of a different ball game and i am you know it's a smaller scale operation that i'm working with it makes sense it makes sense and awesome congratulations on on creating this career and working full-time i think that's i think that's incredible and that's really exciting yeah. how um i guess you know you you seem like a kind of a future thinking person and you said you could do this forever how sustainable do you think this is do you think uh like felt is trending for the last couple of years and it's going to go down do you think this is you know, stop motion in, in what you do in, in social media is going to continue forever. Like, do you have any yeah. feelings? On I, this? my feeling is that felt it is, could be as big as like the claymation thing. Like, I feel like it's only a matter of time before felt animation is hmm. just sort of like people just know about it. And it's just sort of an accepted subgenre of stop motion, the way that claymation is. And I think that it is on an upward trajectory. I've seen more of it cropping up and I think uh, it's, an, yeah, it's an exciting time to be part of it because I don't think it's reached peak saturation. Well, I kind of see you as at the forefront and there are, and like the the leader kind of a felt animation. And there are other people who are yeah. also doing felting cooking videos and whatnot. That I've, I've seen it, yes. And I'm like, <laughs> mm -hmm. wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about, you know, as it becomes more saturated and um, other than just having like history, do you feel like you will continue to be able to separate yourself uh, from like a branding perspective? I'd like to believe that I have enough of a runway going that I will be able to continue to chart my course in a successful way. Um, and I kind of have like the, the sentiment of like rising tide lifts all boats. Like if more people are interested in felt animation, maybe they're going to be bigger projects that come yeah. up that use it. And so I just, I am trying not to be like, no, I have, it's all mine. Like I, as part of also teaching this course, this domestic course is wanting right, right, to right. just kind of invite more people to try it and see what they think of it. And um, then they realize that it's really hard. They're like, yeah. maybe I won't do it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like half of like everybody wants to try stop motion until they actually do it, and then and they're like, actually, people are like, no, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm wondering. You know, I get this question all the time, both in my professional life and just like casual life. CG animation, and you know, my stance is always like, you know, stop motion, the imperfections and the materials and and everything uh has a has a greater connection with the audience than cg i think will ever but cg is getting better and better do you have any fears that you know there are artists who do felt animation in cg that i've seen do you have any fears oh. or comparisons <laughs> when you see that or do you think when people see their work they know instantly what it is i think that even if it's really well done there's 
I think that people can kind of sense a difference, um, even if they don't realize exactly what they're seeing. Um, I, yeah, I remember when like Trolls came out and I was like, look, there's like a CG movie where they're trying to do everything out of fur and yeah. that's what it looks like. And it's so different from what my work looks like. So yeah, yeah. I, um, I'm not too concerned about it. Okay. Has any, what happened to me recently, I went to the dentist and he wanted to like see some of my recent work. So I showed him and he was like, so you did this all on like the computer. This is all. And I was like, no, <laughs> it's like the biggest insult to me when somebody is like, oh, your work looks like CG. I'm like, oh no. Has anybody ever <laughs> used your work for computer generated content? Um, I, I think some people have, but that's on them. And yeah. that's, yeah, <laughs> that's more that's to them. say about them. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay. So then what is the next step for you in this career? You know, you're doing the social media thing. You have millions of followers over multiple platforms. Are you going to like, is it to keep playing the social media game? Like now that threads um, come yeah. out and like other Good platforms question. are launching, like. I am not, I'm not a huge social media user personally. Like I hmm. don't have a personal social media page and I'm only on those platforms to share my work. So I definitely kind of see the others, you know, the, the dark side of social media, right? We've all seen that happen and um, it's not all great. So I, um, I like where I am right now, but I can't imagine that I'll still be playing the sort of like brand gigs, you know, in the next decades right like I think that it's working really well now and yeah. I'm not really sure um what the future holds but uh you know it, it's so easy to be like I want to scale up from here I want to scale up from here but I reached this place maybe a year or two ago where I was like actually this is working really well for me and I don't necessarily need to try and be like what's the next big thing um and even you know even what I was doing was creating lots of growth on social media. So that's, um, that's really great. But when I do the client jobs and it keeps me busy for a couple of months at a time, and then I'm not posting on social media, then I kind of see the numbers plateau. And then I just have yeah. to be okay with that and know that my, the way I use social media might be a little bit different from other people who make a living online where they're posting constantly. And I think that people are generally really understanding and they know that stop motion just takes forever. So they're not expecting me to like be putting stuff out every week indefinitely. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, do you ever see yourself high, like working with somebody who would do the social media game? Like uh, for, well, I don't have millions of followers, but like in my, I think I have like 6,000 followers, but they're all old followers. Like every time I post, I maybe get like three or four new followers uh, because it it's just changed, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, before I'd post and I get 2000 new followers. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The Instagram and it's so hard to know. Like, yeah, I, TikTok, the growth on TikTok is really hard to predict sometimes. You know, I, I did like a couple weeks or a couple like a month of personal projects and posted them over the course of a couple of weeks and barely got any sort of, I mean, I got new followers, but I also lost a lot of followers. So you have mm -hmm. to, yeah, it's just sort of like, 
it's that sort of. I understand the losing followers. Like somebody sees more York and they're like, this isn't what I yeah, signed actually, up to see. Yeah. Maybe I don't <laughs> want to see this, this felt anymore. Yeah. yeah. I, I was happy seeing it once. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. God. I think when you're dealing with such big numbers, there's probably like a fair amount of bots and just like that's fair. That's spam accounts. Fair. So does that but mean I you're think. like, you never look at your DMs or anything or, or like, don't even bother? Um, I recently I have my assistant Michelle um go through the, the DMs if I post something oh. and just to like see what you know she'll still find a brand in there that is trying to contact me and she'll sort of makes like sense. Makes sense. Makes get sense. them to go to the right place and yeah so tell me a little bit more about behind the scenes of felting like I can see your studio right now is this is this where the magic happens are this those is where the bags magic and bags yep. of wool behind you? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Do you have a warehouse just filled? I mean, all your stuff is pretty small, actually. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I, I work very small. And that's on purpose because my studio, in you know, compared to other stop motion studios, is pretty small. So I have to find projects that I can do on a small scale. Yeah. So so like like where do you get all your felt from? Like, is there like a... <laughs> A supplier uh, who knows yeah, you by name. Yeah, I've got my herd of sheep out there. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, I order most all of it online. I have a couple uh companies that I like, Living Felt and Felted Sky. Yeah. Um, those are great places to order wool for needle felting. Okay, okay. Um, and yeah, I just I have I realize I have to have a lot of stuff on hand already because uh, it's just. It's hard to start a job and then be like, oh, actually, I need this other color. Let me order it. Wait a week. You know, I can't be waiting a week yeah. for my colors to come in. I have to just have the inventory on hand. And so, yeah. Go Makes sense. There. Do you also, you know, I, it doesn't look like it in a lot of times, but do you create like rigs or internal wires uh, for your, for your mm -hmm. stuff? Yeah. Um, a lot of. Well, I, you know, definitely for the puppets and stuff. And yeah. then I do use like winders um, and rigging to suspend things on wire and then remove them in post-production. And yeah, like that bubble video, you know, yeah, like those bubbles are, you know, suspending on wire. And um, that's definitely the, like the main post-production thing that I would be doing. Hey, I have a question for you because I recently just did a project where my characters were made out of yarn and felt and I did use winders and it was very, very difficult to uh, remove them in post because the felt hairs that were in front of the winders, like the little metal arm and stuff, were so mm -hmm. fine that it like all the green screening, all the like photoshopping, like was very difficult. Do you have any tips for... Doing? Yeah, I mean, green screening felt edges yeah. uh, is notoriously difficult. And I never attempt to do that myself. I've always worked with post houses that do the green oh, screening. So you send yeah, and actually, to... Yeah, I mean, it, this is like we're talking, you know, larger commercial jobs. Right, Tulip, right. for example, didn't use a single green screen. It was all... Um, practical in camera wow amazing so yeah so i definitely i definitely try and stay away from green screening when at all possible with the felt so even like you when you're suspending the bubbles for instance that's a wire so that's super easy to like 
remove. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, definitely the yeah um, the green screen situation with the fibery edges is. Oh no, you don't even have any tips for me. You're just no, like I just, somebody I hired else. Out, hired out to someone who's really good at it. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, you know, that I feel like there's like the standard tips of like make sure it's really evenly lit right, and you know right, there aren't right. any wrinkles and, and stuff like that. But, but I feel like just, felt is such you know. a toss-up that it's like and it like and if you like erase that part, then it looks like this weird gap on the puppet where it's like all felty and cute, and then it's like, and it's like erased out. Yeah. <laughs> I I like to use the clone tool too when yeah, I'm like yeah, yeah, edges to add little a little felty bits back. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. What's the but most yeah, I am lucky to be able to work with post houses that will remove wires and you know, do have positive. you ever worked on like a professional shoot, like uh like a TV shoot or commercial shoot with like puppets and things versus because it sounds like your career has been entirely yeah, independent. Yeah, um, I have never worked on a set that was not my own, except I went to Paris last year when I was doing some work for Hermes. Okay. And I got to work in a stop motion studio in uh -huh. Paris. And I was just like, whoa, the equipment is so big and everything's so amazing and official. And like someone like an assistant comes in and turns on the lights for me in the morning. Like <laughs> Wait, why did you have to go to Paris to to work on that? Did they want you there? Well, so so I was already going to Madrid to film oh. the domestic class, and then Hermes was like, "We would love to see your setup and how you work." And they were talking about coming to my studio here in Port Townsend, and I was like, "Let me come to you instead." Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Also, do you want to let's talk about the domestic course? So that's that's a new thing, and it looks very fun and. Your video, you're like very specific on exactly what you're teaching, which I think is great. <laughs> Tell me about, you know, teaching, teaching. You've been doing this yourself and you mentioned, you know, some of the things that you do have been hard to teach for years now. What was the decision to start teaching others? Yeah, I mean, I've always kind of uh, stayed away from teaching because it made me nervous. Um, I Since I'm self-taught, I didn't know how to teach it or yeah. how one would teach it. And so, and I just like was afraid of being on the camera and I hate listening to my voice, you know, all of the normal. Uh, yeah. Everybody, everybody that feels we that all way. Feel. So uh, yeah, I would definitely didn't want to teach for a long time. And then Domestica contacted me and I checked them out and I was impressed at their production quality mm. and they were saying that they wanted me to come to Madrid. So I was like, trip to Madrid and <laughs> this, I had like to work with a whole production tree, uh, production team that would film, edit, do all the stuff. So all I had to worry about was the course material and wow. So I thought, you know, that if I were ever to teach, that would be how I would want to do it. And then I was like, I'm not getting any younger. Might as well just document this while I got it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how do you feel um, now that you it's finished? And I think like 1,300 students have already taken yeah, it or whatever. Yeah, it feels good. Um, I'm really happy with the reception. 
That's it's good. hard to know how many people would be interested in such a specialized topic. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, and, and I just wanted to figure out like, could this be part of my sort of, um, just sort of what I, you know, one of the aspects of what I do. And, um, it was a good experience. I am not sure that I'm going to make it like a main part of what I do, but I'm glad that I have it. And that now when people ask, do you have a course? I can say, yes, I do. And I did it in Madrid. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe one of my last questions here, you know, your career has been very self-motivated and involved a few people. <laughs> You're doing a lot by yourself. You have an assistant now, you know, what keeps you going uh, every day? You know, you, you started on a farm in a yurt. You loved <laughs> video production you did some cute things around town you found needle felting and it blew up on social mm -hmm. media which is incredible and now this is what you do full-time what what has kept you going on this path instead of saying like i you know what like this is this is mentally tiring i'd like to just get into something i don't know something else yeah um I'd say that it's the genuine passion for fiber and needle felting. Um, I would probably want to be a fiber artist, even if I wasn't animating, you know, so just having that like love of what I do, but also as soon as I started getting traction with my career, I, that's a very motivating thing as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. But there were a couple of years there where I was like, I don't, this doesn't seem to be working. Like I'm, huh. you know, working so hard and making so little money and like, it shouldn't be this hard. And so just feeling that weight off my shoulders of like, okay, this is actually working. This is a really cool niche to be in. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's what motivates me. So I, I, you know, I was doing stop motion in, in high school and like producing stuff like crazy and putting it on YouTube and going to stop motion animation. Doc, this is before social media, stop motion animation.com and like every place I could put online and I wasn't getting any traction for anything I was doing. I did like 60 shorts, like oh, I got gosh. nothing. And like <laughs> I, I went through years and I, I didn't keep pushing through. I said, this isn't a thing. I'm going to business. So that's what happened to me. What kept you, if you know, what kept you pushing through when it, years went by and it was um, still difficult? Probably because I didn't know what else I would do. Yeah. I didn't really, yeah. I didn't really have any other plans. And I just, I, I had a feeling that I was on the right track like I it was like an intuition thing that if I just kept pushing something would happen and um yeah that's really... I, I can feel like I felt the way that people responded to the work early on yeah and I knew it was more of an issue of well practice and building my skills but also building the audience and so you had positive feedback from, you know, now you have millions of followers, but when it was tough, you didn't have millions of followers. So you had positive yeah. feedback from the people that were viewing yeah, the, the work. Yeah, my, the community around me, the, the 
you know, yeah, the local people who were following my work. And yeah, there were people who would just be like, your work is going to be big someday. And I'd be like, really? Uh (laughs) Just like hearing that, I'd be like, okay, yeah, like I do have something special to offer. And I just, oh, you know what else made me keep on going is that when I was in high school, I was in a girl band and we were really I it was so fun and we just had the best time and I remember you know we tried we tried we tried we tried to get our friends to the shows it's just like it it was just an uphill battle and then we just kind of gave up eventually and then social media came around and I was like man if like if we had just like kept on going for just another year or two like maybe we would have gotten past that like really difficult part so I just feel like this so this time when I was pursuing animation I was just like I'm gonna get past that that struggle part so you already had a reference point in your mind where you were struggling and you felt like it could go further and the timing and stuff just wasn't right so you were projecting that on yourself to say like I'm just gonna keep pushing until something happens Mm -hmm. Wow. I think that's, I mean, I think that's incredible. I think like to have that in the intuition and to, to like be confident in in your intuition. Like I'm just remembering my, like when I was like younger and nobody was really understanding what I was doing. It was like kind of the opposite, but I was like doing it because I loved it anyways. And at some point I said, Mm -hmm. okay, I have to get serious because nothing is happening. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Interesting. So yeah, I was going to, you know, one of my questions was going to ask, uh, what if it didn't take off? Would you still be doing it? But um, well, I think I would probably be pursuing my like craft, my needle felting craft fair thing, yeah, you know, in a different way. But I, I realized that there's only so much money you can make selling a physical item. Um, I mean, maybe I'd go into like making patterns and that sort of thing, but if the animation didn't work out, I feel like I would probably still be in the fiber world, but just in a different way. So you found your thing and you were going to figure it out regardless. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think, I think that's really great. Looking back now, how, you know, you're sitting here talking with me, we've talked about where you came from, everything. How do you feel now? (laughs) Um, I feel, I feel great. You know, I, I, day-to-day basis I sometimes I get burnout um but most of the time I'm really happy about how everything has gone and um just yeah I mean who knows what the next couple decades will will present to me 30 years from now your fingers are going to be unrecognizable (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness of course well you know andrea I, I feel like i've picked your brain quite a quite a lot and i'm very happy with where you are too now it's been uh super exciting to follow you and and watch everything is there anything that we didn't talk about that you think would be important to share or like you know maybe somebody's listening and they're trying to follow their niche passion and and in a similar light and they're living in a yurt right now is there anything that you would you would talk about <laughs> um yeah i mean i guess i would just say that it it's a journey it takes a long time and so just don't get discouraged if there are roadblocks or if it's just taking a little bit longer than you had thought 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, I think it's incredible that you, you pushed through because if you didn't, um, I don't think many people, as many people would enjoy your work. So I think that's really great. Thanks. (laughs) As, uh, as we're wrapping up, is there anything else you'd like to share? Um, I don't think so. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm honored to be here and excited for people to listen. Oh, I'm honored to have you on here. So thank you so much for coming on. And if you're listening and you want to, you know, follow Andrea or reach out to her, I'm going to include a whole bunch of links to her Instagram or TikTok or YouTube, her new Domestica course, which you should definitely take if you're curious and interested about needle felting and animation and wondering if that's for you and her website, which is andreaanimates.com. And that's all for now. So thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye. The music for this podcast was composed by Willem Mendo and the graphics by Luhan Wang. I encourage you to look them up if you've enjoyed their work.